We pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Dear friends in Christ, our, our Old Testament reading from the prophet Isaiah ends with this rather enigmatic image. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. A signal. In Hebrew, a niece. It's not a common word in the Old Testament. It occurs only 21 times. After the defeat of Amalek, recorded in Exodus chapter 17, we read, Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner. My niece. But the great preponderance of the appearances of niece is in the prophets, especially Isaiah, who uses it 10 times, including our text. A signal, a banner, a niece also gets translated as a standard or flag, even a sail, and the pole that would hold one of those. In the ancient Near East, standards symbolized concretely the gods' advance into battle. It marked the, the place where the army was to assemble in the direction of advance and attack. Isaiah's first use of the word niece in Isaiah chapter 5 portrays such a military use. He, that is Yahweh, will raise a signal for nations far away and whistle for them from the ends of the earth and boldly, quickly, speedily they come, Isaiah writes. God, with this niece, calls the nations to execute his judgment against Judah. Namelessly, relentlessly they come. Isaiah continues, none is weary, none stumbles, none slumbers or sleeps. Not a waistband is loose, not a sandal strap broken. Their arrows are sharp, all their bows are bent, and their horses' hooves seem like flint, and their wheels like the whirlwind. God raises his niece and his signal, and nothing can stop the execution of his judgment. Their roaring is like a lion. Their young lions, they roar. They growl and seize their prey. They carry it off and none can escape. God's righteous hand of judgment is a hammer that smashes this apostate people who have forgotten him, chapter 1. They've grown fat and complacent in their prosperity, joining house to house and field to field, chapter 5. They've turned aside the needy from justice and made widows their spoil and the fatherless their prey, chapter 10. They and all the world have dishonored God's covenant, chapter 24. They have trusted in horses and chariots and not in the Holy One of Israel, chapter 31. And now, and now, Yahweh will use the uncircumcised to cut off his own from their inheritance. The niece of chapter 5 stands as a warning for the church today. Not necessarily a warning concerning how we conduct ourselves in business, though that is certainly an implication. Rather, it challenges us to consider how we handle the covenant of God, the new covenant in his Son, a covenant that is revealed to us in his word. God's word, contained in a book, actually a collection of 66 books we know as the Holy Bible. We are often tempted to read the Bible along with the academy. With our learning and wisdom, we're tempted to treat it as well, another book from antiquity. We ask questions concerning authorship and setting. We theorize an editorial process that compiled and corrected 
this text as it was passed from generation to generation, from century to century, and millennia to millennia. But listen again to the solemn warning in its final chapter. St. John writes, I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. Close quote. The Bible claims for itself the status of a niece, of a standard, God's standard. It reveals us his son. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name given among men under heaven by which we shall be saved, as Peter declares to the council in Acts chapter 4. In the end, it's really a first commandment issue. Will we receive with gratitude what God gives to us in both our temporal existence and our eternal future with him? Or will we trust in the modern equivalent of chariots and horses, presidents and legislatures, economies and retirement plans, not recognizing the one who whistles even these from afar? Isaiah's second use of the word niece appears in our text. In that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal, as a niece for the peoples. Obviously, this is a figurative use. The root of Jesse is neither a banner nor an ensign. It's not the pole that holds one of these up. It's a person. It is our Lord Jesus Christ. Luther writes, But Christ is called niece that his banner and military ensign, that his reign stands up in the daily battle and its attacks. Those who serve God are called the army, and God is called God of hosts. And our enemies are Satan, flesh, sins, world, death. Close quote. Or as the great 6th century hymn writer put it, the royal banners forward go, the cross shows forth redemption's flow, where he by whom our flesh was made, a ransom in his flesh, has paid. We recognize Jesus as this niece, yet the expression, the root of Jesse? I don't know, it strikes us as you know, unexpected. Why not David's son or David's greater son as we read elsewhere in Scripture? Perhaps because at the time involved the glory that inhered in the name of David will have been lost, and the family will have sunk to the level to which it stood when Jesse bore the honor of the clan. The great illustrious line of David had lost its luster and returned to the status of an average, undistinguished family. Such was the family of Joseph and Mary when Christ appeared. This is the suggestion of at least one Lutheran commentator from the last century. Three centuries earlier, a German hymn writer set the expression to music in our sermon hymn. Lo, how a rose e'er blooming, from tender stem hath sprung, of Jesse's lineage coming, as prophets long had sung. The Bible's use of flesh and blood as a niece, as a sign, is also evident in our gospel reading this morning, evident in the person and work of John the Baptist. He comes with a very similar message to the niece of Isaiah chapter 5, repent, repent for the reign of heaven is at hand. 
With the approach of this sign man, this niece, comes the threat of punishment. God will cut down the nation even as he did in the days after Isaiah, leaving only the stump of Jesse. The axe is laid to the root of the tree, John declares. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. But John also comes with the promise of Isaiah. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. And ensign, a sneeze of hope. God will fulfill his promise. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the nations about the Jordan were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the Jordan River, confessing their sins. But John, or even the root of Jesse, are not the Bible's first use of niece as a sign of salvation. That belongs to the record of the wilderness wanderings. As the people left Mount Hor, they went by way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom in Numbers chapter 21. As they went, they became indignant. They spoke against Moses and against God. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? There's no food and no water, and we hate this loathsome food. So Yahweh sent fiery serpents, literally seraphim, among the people. They bit the people, and many died. The people cried out to Moses, We have sinned. We have spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray to the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. Moses prayed, and God replied, instructing him to build a fiery serpent of bronze and to set it on a niece, on a pole. If any were bitten, if they would look on it, they lived. Privately, under the cover of night, Nicodemus came to Jesus, saying, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. But Jesus corrects him. He is much more than that. He is the prophetic antitype, the prophetic fulfillment of that niece set up in the wilderness. Jesus declares, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Later, not under the cover of darkness, but publicly in the temple, Jesus prophesies, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Within a week, Christ, the niece, hung on a niece, on a pole. And here we must be very careful, because that broken figure, hanging lifeless on a pole, is so much more than the other niece that we have considered. More than a signal for many nations in Isaiah chapter 5, a rallying point for armies. More than the call of repentance on the shores of the Jordan, a warning of coming judgment. More than the Nekushtin, the bronze serpent in the wilderness, a sign for healing. The niece of Christ on Calvary is performative. It works salvation, reconciliation, healing. It does not call us to come. It delivers us. It defeats our enemies, Satan, the world, our sinful flesh, and the last enemy, death. The niece of Christ on the cross of Christ declares, you are victorious. It does not warn of the coming judgment. It is the judgment against sin. The niece of Christ, the cross of Christ, declares you are righteous. It does not promise healing. It is healing. The niece of Christ, the cross of Christ, declares you are holy. All the nieces of the Bible 
point to this one, to Jesus. He is, as the prophet says, a signal for the peoples, for you and me. And while we are saved from sin and death and the power of the devil, we are also saved for. Isaiah paints a beautiful image of the new creation, where the wolf shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the young goat, and the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child will lead them. One Sunday morning, a man woke up around 5 a.m. and went downstairs. His wife and his children were still asleep, so he went down and brewed himself a pot of coffee and got the morning paper out and thought he'd have some time to himself. He wasn't three sentences into the first article, and his five-year-old daughter comes down the steps. Honey, go back to bed. When I'm not sleepy, the little girl insisted. Determined to read his paper, to have his moment in the morning, he urged her to go back to bed. She said, no, she, was, she was, wasn't tired. I don't want to go. So looking down at the newspaper, he conceived a plan. In the paper was a picture of the world. So he got out the scissors and he cut it into a number of different pieces. And he gave his daughter a, a roll of scotch tape and said, honey, go out in the dining room table and see if you can put the world back together. Yeah, this is going to work. His daughter accepted the challenge, and he went back to the kitchen and, to finish his coffee and his paper, but he, he didn't get a couple of sips of coffee, and his daughter comes bounding back in the water and says, Daddy, I'm finished! And she shows him the picture of the world, all correct. He says, sweetie, how'd you do that? He says, oh, Daddy, it was easy. On the back of the paper was a man. If you get the man right, you get the world right. In a similar way, only Jesus... The God-man can bring order to this world, and he has. In the turmoil of this life, this newly created order that Isaiah describes with the lamb and the wolf laying down together already exists in his body, which is the church. As Paul writes to the church at Corinth, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself. In him, you and I are forgiven and forgiving brothers and sisters of the same Heavenly Father, united under his niece, which is Christ. In his final use of the word niece, in Isaiah chapter 62, Isaiah anticipates this completed work. We read, Go through, go through the gates. Prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway. Clear it of stones. Lift up a signal, a niece over the people's. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him, and they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You are the redeemed of Yahweh. Jesus stands victorious, a signal for all people, standing under the niece of Christ, the cross of Christ. You are a signal for all people as well. And as our text concludes, his resting place shall be glorious. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.